0: G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. Today, we are previewing the Canadian Grand Prix. With me, it's another small show today, is just my friend Riso. How are you going, mate? I'm going great, thanks. How you been? haven't seen you in a little bit. I oh, know, I went away for the weekend. Let's begin with a quick chat about Baku while you're here, actually, mate. Yeah. What did you reckon?
1: Uh, it was somewhat interesting until the Ferraris conked out and then it was pretty... you knew what was going to happen, so it wasn't that exciting. Though I did... Fall asleep near the end. Just because I just had a big weekend <laughs> <laughs> tra- 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 traveling and going to a wedding.
0: wasn't your wedding, though, was it?
1: It wasn't my wedding. No. Flew a helicopter. I didn't fly a helicopter. I flew in a helicopter. Yep. Someone caught the bouquet. Yeah, my my partner caught the bouquet. Ah, yeah. I told her that, that she'll have to catch three, though. If All right. Get, yeah. a, bit of a bit of a competition. Yeah, we've got, we got a few more weddings coming up. If you catch three, then that's probably... That's more more other luck. I don't know. It's <laughs> superstition,
0: isn't it? It's, I don't know what. I it don't actually know. I don't know. I don't remember a single wedding I've been to. Yeah. I don't know if that's revealing too much about myself. I've been to a couple of weddings. I've enjoyed every single one. Some would say too much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, my mother caught the broquet and threw it at her because they get along.
0: Like <laughs> 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 I don't know if it. that's. I mean it. I think your mum's trying to tell you something. I know your partner. I quite like your partner yeah, as well. She's amazing. Anyway, so you missed a good chunk of Baku, but I guess you fell asleep at a pretty decent time because once both Ferraris went out, it was a relatively streamlined race. Andy and I still found a crap ton of stuff to talk about. So if you're interested, go back and listen to our Baku review. Try not to fall asleep near there.
1: <laughs> I watched some of it uh, and then watched the highlights. One of my highlights was Sonoda's just getting duct taped. Oh, it's... The best. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen in the feel, sport. Feel sorry for him, but it's, it's just like engineering at its finest. Get yeah. gaffer tape on it.
0: It's the, it's the famous old engineering meme of the gaffer tape and WD forty. Those are the yeah. only two <laughs> pieces of equipment you need to effectively fix and lubricate everything in your life. I did. I was listening to some other podcasts recently, and they did talk about the tape in a in a bit more of a serious fashion than Andy and I. Kind of looked at the tape, and apparently. Because the cars are all made out of segments. You've got like the chassis components all kind of fit together. Not like a jigsaw puzzle. They fit together neatly. So sort of like flat pack, but it works. <laughs> and then uh, they were saying that a lot of the gaps on the car and all the edging and any any gap between two pieces of metal is actually all taped up with, with clear stuff. And that there is a lot more tape used in motorsport than we're aware of, especially if you watch Formula 1. But if you watch any of the other less... I don't know if less is the right word, but if you watch any of the other sort of motorsport champions, like NASCAR is 99% tape and hammers. <laughs> Supercars in Australia is mostly tape and sand grinders. Like, every other motorsport that isn't as complicated as an F1 car, tape and hammers, baby. They'll fix everything.
1: They're strong. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, see that Top Gear episode? and they, I think it was Top Gear. Or was it Mythbusters? But they use heat. Very similar premises <laughs> of a show, <laughs> yeah. race. They, um... They lifted it and seen how many how much weight gaff tape could hold.
0: That feels more mythbustery yeah, than top gear. I thought you were going to mention the part in top gear of Jeremy Clarkson just hitting every part of the car with the hammer <laughs> to try and make it work. And then it, it does. I believe the official term for that is percussive maintenance, isn't it? It's percussive. Percussive. Like oh. a drum. You're an engineer. <laughs> I don't why am I telling you this? I've never heard of that before. That must mean <laughs> I'm wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they taped it up. That was possibly the highlight of the weekend. But I do have some news. Not a huge amount of news, but some interesting things and I think today we'll start with Seb. Good guy Seb. Good guy Seb. Everyone's a fan. He's come out in German media. Reese unfortunately had to watch me try and translate German for 5 <laughs> minutes unsuccessfully before I just used Google. And the, the translation wasn't great. It was a, it was a bit of a bit of a read. The story essentially went Seb's come out and defended Mick, but the term defended isn't the way that I would interpret it because he hasn't come out and said that, no, Mick's brilliant. He has a place in this sport. He's kind of come out and said to the media that you guys need to also focus on the positives, not only the negatives. So I don't know if that's defend more so than like tell the whole story. Because from the headline reading, it sounds like he was coming out and saying that Mick's doing really, really well.
1: But from. Big Dick Danny Rick. We know the media is crap,
0: terrible, and terrible.
1: But I don't know if there's much to say. Good things to say about Mick? Not in the grand scheme. Maybe I don't. Maybe if you compare him to last year,
0: it's an interesting thing with Mick. So I don't think it's a shock to anybody to say his performances haven't been what was too, or haven't been what everyone was expecting. I think you can take a large portion of that and attribute it to his last name where you're the son of one of the greatest of all time and comparisons will always get made. We don't go down those comparison lines because it's not fair. However, he isn't living up to the standard that you would expect. Has he scored points? Not yet. No. That being said though, Mick clearly is a talented young driver and I don't think it's fair to say he doesn't have any talent. He did win an F2 World Championship Yes, it took him a year longer than people thought, and he struggled quite a bit there. Mick has this weird dichotomy every season where the start of the year is always pretty rough. So his first half of the year in F2 and last year was pretty shocking. It was like what we saw currently.
1: Last year was understandably shocking with the state of their car. And finding this new car, I'm hoping hoping he grinds back, gets his feel of it, and he starts... To get points.
0: And that's the that's the interesting part about his seasons. Because after he has a mid-season break in F2 and F1, he comes back on an absolute rip and tear through the field. So we went away halfway through last year, and the media was pretty much the same thing. Oh, this, this guy's not living up to expectations. He's not really hitting the mark. Is he F1 caliber? Not as dire as it was this year. This year is definitely... A lot worse on him. Two reasons. One, he has a very competitive teammate. Last year, he did not. Yeah. The other thing is, too, it's his second year now. Yeah. So, he's not a rookie. Where I think a lot of people are missing is that this is a brand new car. Like, you've already bought up. Yeah. Every single driver on the grid is relearning things about it. Plenty of people are struggling. Carlos comes out in the media. He's struggling. And Carlos is fantastic at adapting to vehicles. Hamilton's struggling. Danny's struggling.
1: Gasly start struggling.
0: Gasly struggling. There are plenty of people out there who aren't loving the, the car yet. It always seems to be Miss Seb's kind of come out and asked for all of that to be taken into account before we start judging him harshly. And I know that on this show, Andy and I have said that, look, we don't know if he'll have a massive future here. But that's not because we actually think he's bad. That's because we're being aware of that. His performances aren't matching expectations. And also how brutal the media is on him too. He's a young man. like We have, between us, we've probably got 10, 15 years on the poor kid. He's a baby. (laughs) And it's the other thing we forget. You've got people in the sport who are in their 30s and 40s. Like Danny's in his 30s, Lewis is, Alonzo and Vettel, I think are both in their 40s. And then everyone else is 20s. Or 21. Last year was the youngest grid we ever had. How old's k Good question. Uh, probably 30. Yeah, In his 30s. There, yeah, He's been around for a long time now. Um, But it's nice to see Seb coming out to the media and saying, guys, you're not really doing your full job here.
1: I like good good guy, Seb. Yeah. And I liked him last time we were in Canada. was 2019.
0: Very famous <laughs> race, that one. For
1: good reason. He'll cut across the grass and get a penalty and then... Over the checkered flag, get the five circle penalty that made him second place, but he still wanted that first place cut out put it in front of his car.
0: Yeah, he took the uh, in park <laughs> firm in <laughs> the pit lane. He very famously hopped out of his car, grabbed the first place <laughs> board that was for Lewis Hamilton, and put it in front of his car. <laughs> to what I might say was a lot of cheers, yeah. <laughs> because one, it was a very, very controversial penalty. The penalty was given for. Entering, re-entering the track unsafely. So it wasn't for cutting a corner, it was for his re-entry on the track. That's where the issue all began. Because as he swung back on, Lewis is sitting in a different position on the track, but very close, and Lewis has said to his team that that was a dangerous re-entry, we needed organised. This was also under the old regs where you could talk to the race director yeah. at all times and request things
1: to be looked at. It was somewhat dangerous. If Lewis was a bit up. It could have been an easy collision, but it wasn't a re-entry. He skidded across grass and then re-entered because that's where he was skidding.
0: And that's why it will always be part of the Formula 1 discourse of, was it an actual re-entry? <laughs> was he just in motion? There's arguments every single which way and what happened. If you haven't seen it, there are replays all over YouTube of both the incident itself and then his incident in the pit lane. Yes. I don't know if he got fined for that or anything.
1: I'm not sure. The commentary over the radio is some of the funniest. This this, this the classic. Lewis complaining and then Seb just
0: it's not fair.
1: Oh yeah Seb just, was not just happy. Just focus.
0: I am focused. <laughs> I am focused. I can complain and drive at the same time. <laughs> Which is very Australian. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever been on our roads. It's nice to see Seb being Seb and watching him go from a young hothead who was not very liked across the paddock. My dad to this day cannot stand Sebastian Vettel because of his Red Bull era to turn into what is essentially like the statesman of the sport on the same level as Lewis is of a person who is using this platform that he's earned through talent to change the world. Don't know if he noticed though, in Baku, the ambassador to Azerbaijan from Ukraine presented him, with I believe it was a plaque, like a thank you for being like, hey, when when everything started happening in Ukraine with Russia, everybody was supporting us, but now it's kind of died off. You're one of the only people out there who is still working for us on your platform. So he was recognised by the Ukraine government awesome. for because
1: he's a good guy. He he is more than talk. You see him picking up rubbish, the classic pictures, but then you also see him riding a bike the events these <laughs> sports cars that
0: the hyper cars that everyone's cruising in and yeah. he, he rode a pushy wave to people
1: yeah it's just he, he walks the walks
0: he does I, I think that's it's also why it's important to keep certain drivers in the sport for decent lengths of time it makes it a very personal thing and the reason we enjoy Formula 1 so much is you feel like you get to know these people over the years I mean, the media is so involved that you see every victory they have, every struggle. Now with social media being so good, a lot of the times you see all the work and effort they're putting in. It's an incredibly humanizing aspect of Formula One is the access we have to the drivers. And by that fact alone, it's nice to see these people that we know so well who have no idea about us genuinely living by the values that we also aspire to. Not coming out and saying that like, you know, they're the same (laughs) as us. But when you see people who have incredible wealth, incredible talent, living by the values that matter to all human beings, it's a very humanizing aspect. And that's something really enjoyable to look at. I do have more news, though. More news? A little bit. Nothing nothing too great. So another one coming from Baku. Latifi, we know got penalized for ignoring blue flag violations. And he's come out in the media in an interview with, I think, com or autosport, one of the two. And they were like, what's going on with the blue flags, mate? His answer was, well, I saw the blue flags, not saying I didn't see them, but I thought that if I waited until we got to the DRS detection zone, then Gasly would have DRS and he could go overtake Hamilton down the straight. I was trying to help out a friend.
1: <laughs> Helping out
0: a bro. Which I understand.
1: Uh, Why are they bros? Or they just... I don't
0: know. I don't know. It doesn't go into it.
1: No, does he just want to give good racing a go? Or like, yeah. I just don't get the broness there. But if it was like Stroll and Latifi, I'd be like, yeah, they're Canadian.
0: Which makes me feel like it's a bit of a cop out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or he just hates Lewis. Yeah. all (laughs) that. If it was Albon, I'd understand the go-get after Lewis. Like, Albon has a justifiable reason to dislike Lewis due to past behaviour.
1: What's the rule on the whole blue flags? Like, can Gasly stay behind him, get DRS, and then go for it? Or does he have to slow down, which will slow down Gasly in the long run?
0: So, I don't know what the official FIA directives are on it. However, from just normal viewership what you can pick up on is that no one likes being stuck behind a slower car for any length of time the reasons for that are one you're going slower and this is one of the fastest sports in the world so that's a no-no Two, the way the dirty air and everything affects the car is you're overheating every component of your vehicle from the tires to the intakes all of that starts to heat up because you're sitting in the hot dirty air pretty much sucking in the engine exhaust through your system so that's another reason why drivers hate being stuck behind them. What I can assume, and because it feels right, is that when a driver sees a blue flag, it is their obligation to move off the racing line at the nearest, safest spot and allow the other vehicle to pass. They don't necessarily have to slow down, stop and pull over to the side of the road and wave them by, but there is an obligation that once you are identified as being a lap vehicle, you need to move at the nearest safe spot to let them through. A lot
1: of grey areas.
0: There is. And the reason there is so much greyness in it is that if you get shown a blue flag on a hairpin, you can't change direction mid-hairpin. If you get shown a blue flag in a braking zone, you're breaking another rule by changing direction under brakes, which you're also not allowed to do. So that's why I think that they're like, you're obligated. And I think it's the term <laughs> obligation that that gets brought up whenever someone's in trouble is, was it so was, you have the duty to move when it's safe?
1: Was Gasly happy about the DRS?
0: I don't know if he knew. That's the thing. <laughs> if, if Latifi could get on the radio and be like, hey, buddy, I'm going to give you some boost, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of NOS down the straight, he might be like, oh, okay, I understand that. The thing is, no one's talking to each other. <laughs> like, you don't have buttons on the steering wheel where you can hit up someone and, like, talk <laughs> shit in their ear, which I think would be fantastic. That would be great. little 30 seconds. <laughs> Get in their heads. Um, so, I know Gasly was frustrated during the race, essentially being like, this dude's not moving over and he has to move for me. In the end, it's resulted in a penalty for Latifi. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he got the penalty for it. That's why he got penalized. Oh. In the end. You are asleep, though. Yeah, so you asleep. don't know this happened.
1: So right at the end. Okay, classic.
0: Yeah, I want to say the last five, ten laps. Yeah. So you got a penalty in the first lap right at the start of the race, and then he got one right at the end of the race. Okay. All in all, though. Didn't matter
1: for much because it's Latifi. And he's near no. the back of the pack.
0: It really did. And that's, <laughs> I, that's why coming out and being like, I was I was trying to be like, essentially being like, I was being a team player. like, But, bro, you're not on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you have to move, and you didn't. So, <laughs> despite what you think you were doing, and maybe it's just because Canadians are that nice, he just was looking into your rearview mirrors and be like, "I'll just help." <laughs> but I don't know if he said he was sorry, <laughs> which is a very Canadian thing. Yes. Poor old Latifi. It seems like he can't do anything right at the moment. No. Especially not when you ask Andy. <laughs> yeah. Andy's uh. Possibly on a little bit of a get rid of Latifi train at the moment. I don't know if anyone's aware of this. He has a bit of distaste for that driver.
1: I'm, I'm I'm hot and cold with him.
0: Sometimes I feel like him.
1: Sometimes I don't. Right now I'm feeling like he's a good bloke. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and that's the hard thing with him too. Is That's what I've. That's why I always come out in his defence, despite what you three hooligans are saying. In regards to Latifi, he's like, he's not a bad person. He's just not doing very well at the moment. <laughs> and it almost... But that's also the hard thing, too, when it comes to any form of journalism, be it something that's unprofessional as this or something that's as professional as, like, national print media. You've got to separate the person from the performance. When those lines start to get blurred, it's bullying. Yes. And yet you err into the wrong side of things. So, I still think he's a good dude. I do think that's bullshit, but... (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think he was trying to help out that much. I think he was just like, or maybe he genuinely was.
1: Maybe. Maybe he just wanted to reason at the end of the race when that interviewer
0: was like, just come up with something better. Uh, I guess the only thing you could reach for is like, well, I didn't see it. Yeah. And then it's like, well, how, man? We showed you 14 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Latifi copped a bit more trouble. It's just another thing for him this week. Poor fella. Hopefully. Hopefully, Canada can do a little bit better for him.
1: Hopefully, going home, he gets the home support. and A little bit lucky. Maybe if he scores points, he'd be back.
0: I dare say he would be Canada's favourite F1 driver at the moment. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Not hard.
0: <laughs> but it's they're also both putting in performances that make them seem like neither of them. Maybe they're both being so nice to be like, no, I want you to be the favourite. That's why I <laughs> crash so much. He's like, really? Me too. That's why I was crashing for you, man.
1: Maybe Canada would just disown them we don't have any Canadian Canadian drivers.
0: Yeah, they're like who that? No, they're more French than Canadian, so we don't <laughs> really know what's going on here. Maybe that's why we're just helping Pierre out. He's like, man, I'm gonna. <laughs> they're not they not <laughs> loving me at the moment. I need <laughs> jump over here. But Latifi's not French Canadian. He doesn't speak French. Yeah, because there's that. Very funny Williams interview where they're like, and a couple of words in your own language, please. And they hand the microphone. He's like, English is my own language. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the same interview where both him and George turn around and coat hanger themselves (laughs) on on a pew. Williams has, without a doubt, the best media appearances because there's another one where behind George and Nick, they're walking with a box two of the mechanics are walking with a box that's covered in <laughs> yeah. fragile stickers and they drop it. <laughs> and they both turn to each other and be like, you just
1: dropped that? And the is like,
0: oh, I hope that wasn't expensive. Both drivers turn around. They're like, yeah, we hope so not. <laughs> yeah, it's rough working for Williams, eh? <laughs> the last, uh, it's not the last. I've got two more. I have two more pieces of news to bring up. Another piece of news is that the bosses of Formula One, so Stefano Domenicali and Ross Braun, were spotted in South Africa at the Kailami circuit over the weekend. Mm. They flew from Azerbaijan to South Africa to look at getting the circuit on the calendar. Now, the article we have in front of us is saying that it will be ready for next year. So 2023, we might see Kailami back on the track.
1: That makes it very interesting. I don't. There's nothing... Doubting me that they could get the track ready because as our other track calendar, dream calendars, holiday,
0: we, uh Reese's holiday, yeah, dream bucket list, yeah,
1: Canada was on that. It's on an island. It's beautiful. I really want to go. But back to the South Africa, they and looking at Albert Park, they can build a track relatively quick in a couple months. Yeah, one hundred percent can be built.
0: They built Jeddah in like two weeks, man. Remember, yeah. <laughs> Saudi Arabia <laughs> was not finished. People were posting photos, being like. So, yeah, I'm at the track, and there's not a huge amount of tarmac, and they're supposed (laughs) to be here next week. So, you can do amazing things very quickly.
1: Rushes off the calendar. Yep. So, it opens up the doors. But I thought Vegas was kind of taking that spot. So, I don't know if they're
0: adding more. Then, I don't think they're going to add more. Which, so, but there's two famous tracks that have had their contract finished this year Monaco being one. Yeah. And Spa. In Belgium, so Spa-Francorchamps. I don't want to see either of those tracks go. No. I know that the first half of this podcast or of Formula Bumps has been mean, saying just get rid of Monaco, rip the bandaid off. It sucks. But after <laughs> watching the whole broadcast, I've decided that Monaco is actually fantastic and we should keep it forever, which only leaves <laughs> Spa, which isn't good because Spa's phenomenal, except for last year.
1: Yeah, I'd, I if I had to pick, it would be Monaco off. But I've never seen a race at South Africa. But Me neither. S- Spa seems sacrilege, sacrilege,
0: to get rid of. To get rid of. So is Monaco though, because remember Monaco is one of the crown jewels of motorsport, with the Le Mans 24, and the Daytona, I think Daytona 500. Yeah, it is. But so it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not this year though. This year was good. Yeah, sort of.
1: Sort of. It just yeah the whole rain at the start, and the whole rain situation at Spa. Apparently, there's rain this weekend. At Montreal kinda gets me excited, but not really because
0: if we're allowed in it's just it's not necessarily like a it's a street ish circuit.
1: Yeah. It's like Albert Park. It's just yeah. it's on an island that you seem. I think it's You not, can drive around it. You can drive around it. It's not a main road on a normal day of the week. No, it's on an island.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're on an island. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh however, it just when, when we're looking at the calendar, I don't think they're going to expand any more than 24. Because drivers have come out and said, look, if we do more than this, we're not going to be here. No. It, what what it's are we at much. now, 22? 24. Ooh. 23 this year, though, because the rush is out. Okay. Now, all that might be wrong, because Andy's normally the person who tells us these things yes. if we're wrong. But I'm going to say there's supposed to be 24. But this year, there's 23 because of Russia. And that's what I'm going with. Because he's not here to stop me, it means I'm right by default. <laughs> Zanvort's coming back this year. Canada's back this year after having a year or two yeah. off. I but liked
1: Turkey last year. That was one of my favourite, to be honest. So Turkey's there. not on though. No, it's not on. It took over Canada last year because they couldn't get into the country.
0: That's right. Yeah, I just, I mean, the obvious answer is that like we would say is like drop something like Saudi Arabia, maybe drop. I I like the China track. For Andy, they will say Drop China. Um, There are more races that you could get rid of.
1: We'll see about Singapore and Japan when they come to it. But they kind of do look exciting.
0: Singapore's a good race, but not for the racing itself. Mainly for the physical achievement that the drivers do by completing this race. I think it was Lewis Hamilton last time they were in Singapore, hopped out of the car and he lost like 2.8 kilos over the course of the race which is just absolutely mental because of how hot it is they do it at night but it's still it's singapore man it's It's hot hot and sweaty
1: It's in the tropics
0: at all times so (laughs) it may not be the best race it's actually one of the ones that you see a lot of running at pace last time we were there believe i know it involved juvenancy at the time, who was one of my favourites. Sad, sad that he's not in the sport. But also, to be honest, I haven't noticed him not being there either. <laughs> now I don't know if that's due to him or the fact that we just never see the alphas on screen anyway. But I know that they were holding it at a at a set pace because of how hot it was um, and the tires and how quick they were going through tires. They were like, the Povel lap was I think like 13, 14 seconds quicker than the the racing laps they were doing. They were like, we're just all going to cruise. And the last five laps are all going to go crazy. We'll see what we can do. (laughs) But the physical achievement aspect of the race is something that I really enjoy.
1: The red flags and the yellow flags does make an interesting race, like we saw at Miami. But you didn't see that at Baku. That's one thing I was going to notice. Everyone was expecting more than a virtual safety car and they didn't get it. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think... Part of the reason why is Baku is such a good street circuit because the runoff areas are awesome and the marshals are on it. So even though Carlos went out, Charles went out, and K-Mag went out, all with like issues that would normally cause a safety car, they were all near runoffs where the marshals just grabbed it, hoiked it off track. So there was no real need to do that.
1: And no tyres popped. No. Uh, Verstappen didn't go
0: (laughs) into the wall. Yeah, which is a good thing (laughs) because that was horrifying. And I remember last year when the Christian Horner came on the radio is he like, hey, maybe you let us all change tires under the red flag because looking at our telemetry, we did not have a puncture. Like it wasn't a yeah. – they didn't notice something. They were like, oh, that's losing air. That's at risk of popping. The tire just exploded, exploded yeah. more so than just kind of
1: – But then they put on new regulations about heating and, and tire pressure, which yeah. I think it was classic F1 exploiting and pushing those boundaries of what the rules are.
0: It is an interesting sport where there is so much technical regulation of this, but every single team is like, it's more of a guideline, yeah. personally. They're all sitting there with their legs crossed being like, it's a guideline. I I will have to do what they say-ish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Sometimes it's like, this is what it is, but how can I engineer it? So it's not that, but it still does that.
0: Yes. Ferrari's the best at it. yeah. Because even (laughs) when they get caught, they don't technically get caught. Allegedly, leave me alone, Andrew. I do have one more piece of news. It involves, I'd say, a podcast favourite at this point. I'd say a world favourite at this point. Fernando Alonso. And it's all to do with qualifying. This year, we've seen a huge amount of qualifying influenced by other people's mistakes. Back in the day... I say back in the day, I think it was like early 2000s, even into the 2000s and 10s, this was occurring. They used to do what was called like super qualifying, which is every single driver got one lap and the track to themselves.
1: One lap? Yep. Like
0: one... One hot lap.
1: One oh, hot lap, yeah. 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 No, so no, you didn't have to warm up at yeah. the start <laughs> and then get a good time.
0: You warmed your car up, you got one hot lap to set. And
1: track was free.
0: Track was clear. There might have been one other car on there doing its the warm-up as you went out. Fernando's come out and said, like, why don't we just bring that back? It's a true representative of everyone's pace and it will stop the issues because he copped a lot of flack over him hitting the runoff, causing the yellows. Alex Albon put in a complaint. This was from yeah. Baku.
1: And and you saw at Imola, the red flags near the end, that that was the grid. And then you see a lot of the presidents? No.
0: Team principals.
1: You see a lot of the team principals come out and say that they're trying to do different strategies to minimize the risk because you either you go out there quick you get a hot lap in you get your time or you wait that longer and then you'll be able to get that faster time with the heated up track and it's you're, you're gambling which is not the best in the best tier of this motorsport
0: it's interesting where
1: but I do love it I do love the whole it makes qualifying so much more exciting in in the whole... Tr- if no one crashed, I love this, They're heating up, heating up, heating up. Look, Changing there's the
0: a lot, there's a lot of good in both. And I think you and I should talk about both the positives and negatives from both. So, to sum up the article, Fernando's coming and said, let's just do that, let's try it and we'll see what people think. I'm leaning now that I think that's a better idea. one, It is a true representative of speed. And it does allow every driver to show what they're capable of. Where I think there may be an issue in that, it it comes down to track evolution. So there would have to be a system in place to decide what order people go out in. Whether that is a rotating cycle that's preset at the start of the year, like you just kind of... A sprint race. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but how would you decide the grid for the sprint race?
1: Yeah, That's a good point. Lucky do
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you could. I don't have the best answers. It could, no, but it could actually be a lotto-based system where every driver pulls a number out of a a hat. A helmet. A helmet, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if your number says seven, it's like, right, well, you're doing the seventh hot lap. And that could could be fun.
1: Ferrari will find a way to cheat.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. They'll be like, we'll do it. But as long as it's drawn out of a Ferrari hat. (laughs) <laughs> Mercedes were like, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're drawn out of a Mercedes. hat. the I guess the the positives of the current qualifying setup is that in a sport that is so controlled, it is true randomness. Anything can happen. If you're a lucky driver, then it's fantastic. If you're not, though, like Pierre's been affected more than once in qualifying this year because of other people's incidents. He was affected at Monaco, and he was affected at Baku. Can't remember if he was affected in any other in in any of the other races. But that's two GPs this year where clearly a man with more pace is being limited by someone else's issues. I know there's also been a lot of speculation and talk about, hey, if someone actually causes an incident in qualifying that affects other people, do they deserve a punishment? And I know a few drivers have come out and been like, I've never caused a single issue in qualifying. And yet there are a handful of drivers who have ruined my chances of doing my job for my team more than once. And it's not fair because do you know what penalty they get? None. If they've already set a hot lap, that's maintained. It would be
1: interesting to see some kind of penalty.
0: And I kind of understand the sentiment of these drivers who are saying like, well, hold on. I've done nothing wrong, and yet now I'm either behind them. The only time they ever get really punished is if the car is damaged to the point of not being able to compete in the next race. Go for it. One
1: thing that I thought we were going to get the super laps super pole super pole was last year seeing all the incidents with people on warm up laps blocking them and there'd been near near accidents and you still see it in free practice but you we haven't been seeing it in qualifying as much, much. Yeah, as much this year and i've always thought that was there's penalties for that yep and impeding in, impeding So, yeah, why isn't there impeding in in other regards of red flags or yellow flags?
0: Yeah, and it really, really only kind of punishes the teams who are struggling the most in qualifying, right? So if you're in the bottom five regularly and those teams are Williams and they've been there for a few years, Haas as well, Aston Aston. you could say is normally down the bottom and Alfa Romeo. They're the, they're the regulars you see in that relegation zone. Q3, Q1, Q which is 20 cars on track or trying to get in a lap, if you're in a Red Bull or a Ferrari or a Mercedes being like, well, either I'm more talented or more realistically, I have a car that's heaps quicker than these boys. All you need to do is go out and do one lap. Yeah. And if you can just snag one in that's moderately quick within the top five positions, you're safe. And you see that most of the top teams in Q1 will come out and do one lap and park it the congestion though the congestion that we see on the track while that's happening if you're in a slower car and you're a less experienced driver and you need one or two cracks to get a a solid lap in knowing that no matter what you do you're not going to be in that safe zone right near the top you're getting caught up and you're getting hampered i'm kind of sitting in the opinion now that i'd like to see a change with how we do qualifying to give people in that lower section, an ability to set an absolutely brilliant lap and mix up the grid. I don't think it will mix up the
1: grid, though. I reckon they will. A little st- bit. They will stay down there.
0: I'm not thinking that we're going to see Latifi or Albon or Stroll suddenly jump to third place. No, but I think it will give us a better representative, and for those people who do get that lap run, so like Valtteri Bottas, who was had 106 Q3 appearances in a row. Lost that, not because he was slower, but because there was an incident on track and he couldn't get his hot lap in. Yeah, That's where I don't see the fairness in it anymore. And I get that we did need to mix up qualifying when we made that change because it used to be that way. Yeah. And we made the decision that, no, we wanted to do something different to make it not more competitive, but more exciting.
1: Yeah, it was for the viewers. It wasn't for the racing. racing.
0: no. And it really wasn't. And now, what we're kind of seeing these days is, yes, it's super exciting to see if everyone can make it, but let's let's do something there to give people an opportunity. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm th- Have we seen less impeding this year because of the current tracks, or do you reckon people are equating to it and the pe- penalty systems actually working?
0: I can only answer this off the top of my head because I d- I don't know. I yeah. because it. That's a, it's a question of numbers, which we don't we don't have uh-huh. in front of us. From what I'm viewing, the amount of red flag incidences that are causing changes to the qualifying order is about the same. As for individual drivers actually just kind of slowing people up, I don't know. One, that's because of a broadcast thing. They don't show you everything that happens in yeah. the qualifying. But, and I don't know if it's because I'm biased because I want my answer to be more correct. <laughs> but I'm going to sit with the answer and say, yeah, I kind of think we're seeing the same amount of impeding. and evidence I have to that is, well, qualifying's (laughs) been the same as it was last year. And the calendar has been remarkably similar too. So... Yes.
1: Do you reckon if they did bring it back, they'd bring it back for some races? Or do you reckon next season, boom, we're doing...
0: I think in order to run a proper world championship, you kind of just have to have one set of rules for the sessions. Meaning that if we're changing qualifying, it's changing for all races.
1: You say that, but then we have three sprint races.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but uh, can you imagine the drama of it to be like, it's like, I think it would just divide too much by having that opportunity. A sprint race, even though we've only got three of them, they're really, really divisive as is, yeah.
1: aren't they? But, but I'm saying the ones with more red flags, the city circuits, Yep. With no run runoffs, But then you see Imola still having red flags and getting caused some mishaps, I guess. But you see some of the races that get affected by the red flags the most, they get the super qualifying. Okay. And the other ones don't. You just need to... But I guess it's just random. The win. drawing...
0: Yeah. It, one, it is random. And two, the drawing of the line of like, well, how many incidents do you need before we switch it over? you're not taking into account the mysterious X factor in all of this, which is who the article is based on. This is based <laughs> on Fernando Alonso, who clearly affected qualifying last time. And I said last last episode that Fernando is screwing with the sport to get it changed to his liking. <laughs> so that's the thing. Say if it's like, well, if there's a red flag in three consecutive years, so we're going to go to Super Bowl, Guess what we're going to see? <laughs> we'll see a red flag at every single race for three years in a row. Because one driver will be like, well, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to crash or do something. Or just park my car. Because both Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton or Nico. I can't remember exactly which one. No, Charles. Charles. Charles, yeah, yeah. It's a Ferrari thing, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Have damaged their car or said their car has had issues to affect the results of qualifying before. Now, Charles smashed his car completely and couldn't compete in the race, so I don't (laughs) think his was as genuine as Michael going, "Uh, yeah, something's wrong with my car. I just need to leave it right here next to the first corner in Monaco so no one can beat me. I doubt we'll see an adjustment to qualifying until we've had one or two years of these regulations. I I don't think we'll see anything from it coming soon.
1: No, after you've built your – and that's what half the reason – oh, I don't know. They're built for closer racing, so to have flying laps, like super laps with no one on the track, it just wouldn't make some much
0: sense. Yeah, and there's also the option too, you can make it heaps more complicated too by being like, well, we're going to do – everyone gets one hot lap and then that decides. So, yeah, I,
1: I'm real up in the air about it. But I do I haven't experienced the old way.
0: Yeah. And I haven't not not since we've started looking at this sport more professionally, if you can call it that, <laughs> have reviewed the old style of qualifying. My gut's telling me if Fernando wants it, he's probably gonna bring it into existence despite what anyone <laughs> says more than anything else. Is it part of L plan? Absolutely. Then The great mystery of this sport is we all thought L-Plan was about the racing. I'm saying L-Plan has nothing to do with the actual on-track racing, but everything to do with Fernando changing the sport at its <laughs> core. And only time will prove me correct. It will not prove me wrong. No. <laughs> but that that's what I've found for the news. There's a bunch of other stuff in there like post-race interviews and People poking jabs at each other, but none of it's super relevant or interesting. We should probably talk about Canada, though. We should. Righto. Well, since Andy's not here, Reese, why don't you run us through some track facts? What do you got for oh, us? I have
1: the track facts. I am the track fact man. Um, the first Grand Prix at Can- the Canadian. I don't think it's been at the same place every time.
0: Doubtful. Most of them swap oh, locations yeah, over the and years.
1: Stuff, but still, Grand Prix. 1978. There's 70 laps. The circuit length is 4.361 kilometres. The race distance is 305 kilometres. And the lap record is 1 minute 13.
0: Who was it set by?
1: Uh, by Valtteri Bottas in 2019. So last race. Um, There's three DRS zones. Two of them being real close together. Coming up to the pit, pit straight near the Wall of Champions.
0: From listening to those facts, I can say that the length of the race, the track itself, is about middle ground. So it's not one of the shortest tracks we've had. It's certainly not the longest. I think the longest is Spa, which is either like nearly seven or just over seven.
1: There's 14 corners, one being the hairpin. Yeah. So not as many corners as others, as I think.
0: No, it is, in essence, a very, very fast track. But it's not known for its insanely high top speeds. Now I know that sounds very confusing. It doesn't have a massive straight like Baku, where the cars can really fully wind up, and you just go into like cruise mode because it's what yeah. two kilometers, nearly two kilometers long. Yeah. What's the pit
1: time for it? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know
0: here. the. I don't know the pit transit oh, time.
1: That, al- that always. That's the fact that I really like getting into. How long it takes strategy. to get yeah, into yeah, like the plus pits? Plus sixteen, plus twenty, plus twenty-four. It has a, the pit entry is very, cuts out a corner. I do yes. like it when they do that. It plays interesting. You can see the competitors coming up. You're
0: like, Oh, who's oh, in front? Yep. Oh, I really like the Canadian Grand Prix. I. It's not the most technical track and it's not the quickest track. And what that means is it's essentially average and we don't have a huge amount of like average races, right? Yep. You know, you've got we, the places we've been so far is we've had Baku, which is known for its insanely long straight. We've had Monaco, which is Monaco, which doesn't even fit the regulations <laughs> of an F1 race. We've had Australia, which is known for its streetness and technicality. we
1: yeah. had Miami, which is... Brand new. Brand new and fast. And
0: not great. Yeah. So... Where, where I take a lot of enjoyment in Canada from is that the cars are moving at a really high speed a lot of the track. There's a few very technical corners. But overall, it's good racing most of the time. And without us being there, there's been a few drivers who haven't raced in Canada. So I don't believe Yuki's been there. I don't believe Mick.
1: Yeah, Mick wouldn't have been there. Sonoda. Yeah, Sonoda. Oh, no, sorry. I mean, Joe. Uh, Joe. Jo.
0: Yeah, he hasn't been there either. Lando's only been there once in his debut year in McLaren. Yeah. And none of these new vehicles have been there. But that's the same for every track this year. Canada does make good racing. So I think with these cars, it's going to be exciting. I don't think we're going to see anything crazy.
1: What about the crazy being Lewis winning, being the eighth time he won at Montreal, being the most, most, successful. most successful there? That's the crazy thing that would happen this weekend. Oh, except the rain. As well.
0: Oh, are we looking at some rain? Are are we? You are the resident weatherman.
1: I am. We're looking like some rain. Another interesting fact about the Canadian Grand Prix is that it has the title for the longest Grand Prix. Okay. For for just over four hours. And that's because there's been a two hour rain delay. (laughs) 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 What year was that in? That was in 2011, I believe. Yeah, 2011. So they've been doing this rain thing a bit longer than I thought. I thought they just race in the rain.
0: They do. It must have been something pretty severe. Yeah, like Spa. Especially 2011, because that's like pre-Halo. Yeah. So that was back when there wasn't as much safety in the sport as we have now. That was prior to, I believe. No, that would have been after Jules Bianchi. He's a driver who lost his life in a really, really tragic incident where there was a recovery vehicle on track in in Japan. And he also had an incident which led him to colliding with the recovery vehicle. And that's what caused his injury, which led to his his death. Well, so I can't remember if that's pre or post, but I know safety wasn't... At the forefront. It's always been at the forefront. And it I don't know if saying that safety hasn't been at the forefront is the right way to describe this sport. They've always been focused on safety, but it was before a lot of the safety procedures and technical safety regulations that we've since bought in. I don't even know if that was pre-HARS system, which is the, ne- the neck brace, where they're essentially strapped oh. to part of the car to stop them from banging their heads on different parts of it. Yeah. So there's been a bunch of things implemented since then. So mm. what what's that leading to is it must have been pretty torrential, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like <laughs> Possibly the cars were filling up with water yeah. sort of situation. Screw watching that though off out two-hour two hour rain delay?
1: Yeah, two-hour rain delay. That's, That's a whole race. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do you think the commentators were talking about during that time? The
1: same thing they were talking about in Monaco. <laughs> 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 Why isn't this starting?
0: Possibly. Possibly. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but when you have a wall of champions, you don't want anyone to be crashing into it.
0: No, and it <laughs> does seem to be people's favourite spot to belt into during the race. Yeah.
1: After the DRS zone.
0: Yeah, and that's leading into the uh, final straight, isn't it? It is. Yeah, with the little chicane in front of it. Yeah, it's a hell of a corner. I suck at Canada on the game, so I can tell (laughs) you that much. I am shocking. To be fair, I'm shocking in pretty much everything on that game, except for the Red Bull Ring, which is notoriously easy to drive.
1: (laughs) They have groundhogs there. They have to evacuate. They evacuate, and they catch (laughs) them.
0: Are you serious? (laughs) They
1: catch groundhogs and get them off the island. But they sometimes they don't catch them all, and they run in front of the cars. Don't know what a groundhog is.
0: Okay. It's like a little wombat. No, so wombats are massive compared to groundhog. Imagine like I want to say the size of like maybe a Jack Russell is what we're talking. So a rabbit. Yeah, it's like a rabbit thing. I'll just go. I'll show you exactly so what a groundhog is it. A hog?
1: hog? Like, like ground a hog? Like is it a pig? Is I it don't a
0: guinea pig. Yeah, it, it's like a... A feral guinea pig? It, no, it's, so, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not the same as a guinea pig. It is that. It's a rodent.
1: Oh, a, so, grand, a ground beaver. <laughs> and it does look like
0: a beaver. Imagine like a guinea pig on steroids that's more related to a rat. Kind of like, it's kind of odder looking, but fatter and smaller. It makes sense
1: if it's like... A beaver, sort of, in can be, can it swim? I don't. Know. I'm
0: assuming most things can swim. Some things can swim for a lot longer than <laughs> other things. <laughs> That'd be an interesting job. It's like, so what do you do? It's like, well, I'm unemployed most of the year, but for two weeks before the F1 race, I have to go out and catch every animal that lives is on this it, island. Is it
1: a job, or was it qualifications to who the marshals are? If you, <laughs> if
0: you if you bring a groundhog, you you get a vest. Yeah. You get a marshal of the race. <laughs> That would be the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's their home, right? That's yeah. where the groundhogs are. We should get them involved. So, you know how for the Super Bowl they do the Puppy Bowl? No. Okay. <laughs> for the <laughs> Super Bowl, there's another competition that's run. I don't know if it's run officially or not, but they get a bunch of puppies and they pretend to play a game of football. It's not great footy. Is it like crab racing? What's crab racing?
1: You put crabs in the middle of a circle and then they walk out and you bet on them. And <laughs> 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 country coastal thing, yeah. Crab racing. Yeah, well you 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 bet on one, and you but don't know what they're doing. They're just walking, and you just hoping yours has gone sideways out of the ring. Some of them just stay in the middle. Some of them go out. Maybe you know the. Is a puppy bowl that randomness? Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like yeah you, oh, there, there's no actual competition. Yeah, they, you don't train the dogs. I can't
0: believe this is the first time you're finding out that dogs don't know how to play football, but it is true sure. they do not know how to play NFL.
1: <laughs> they could do some amazing things. They definitely can. They went to space. Yeah. they. If you've seen, it wasn't consensually,
0: though. They were just kind
1: of strapped <laughs> yeah. into it, weren't they? I'm sure you've gone to a farm a uh, Henty Field Day. I have been to the Henty Field seen, Days. Seen the seen the sheep whistle. Round up.
0: Yep, seen that. I've seen the pig I've seen pig racing, like it shows where they jump off and fall into water. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is we should get the groundhogs to do like on a miniaturized track (laughs) of Canada and race them around that. And they'd have their own wall of champions, which I mean tragically we'd have to kill a groundhog. (laughs) But I'm I'm sure it'd be okay. So, they legit catch groundhogs to get them off there. I know in Turkey one year, Sebastian Vettel nearly hit a dog on the track, and he was like, ah, there's a dog (laughs) on the racetrack. I believe one time there was a turtle on a track somewhere.
1: Wow.
0: It'd be be an interesting thing to look up. Every now and then, there's a person on the track. We've had a few streakers before in the sport. It's always interesting. It would be. A couple of protesters have taken to the track before. I think it was just one person with a sign. (laughs) Not as good as the lady at the Tour de France who held out the like, hey, mum and dad sign and like cleaned up half of the field. That's a ripper if you haven't seen that. We should get a groundhog.
1: I think we need important, and I think Australia would be very against importing. Well, they were going to kill
0: Johnny Depp's dog, so I can't yeah. imagine they'd take too, <laughs> too kindly on the. Do you know how many groundhogs they have to catch? No,
1: I don't know how many groundhogs they've got to catch. I just heard it's a thing. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's the crazy thing this year. Groundhog affected qualifying.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping it's some kind of. Fernando Alonso
0: out. brings groundhogs and releases them during qualifying <laughs> to get it <laughs> changed to his liking. So, this is the part of the show where we normally do a from the past section. But because we don't have Andy here, I decided to do something else. I'm going to teach everyone about groundhogs for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've accidentally Googled Groundhog Day, so we're going to scrap that of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a, I never knew it was a thing until doing a little bit of research on this.
0: It's a proper tradition.
1: I knew it was a, a movie. And he re- Tom Hanks, wasn't it? Yeah, really uh, relives every day, the same day, every day.
0: It is actually... So I do know what real-life Groundhog Day is. It's supposed to signal either the end or the start of one of the seasons, and it's from German folklore. But I don't know if Germans have... Groundhogs. I'm assuming they've got something. Yeah.
1: So it's not like whacking day off the Simpsons.
0: I don't know what <laughs> whacking day is. It's when they go out and whack snakes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a country coastal thing to do more than fucking crab racing, which is like a weird sumo setup. It's almost getting to the point now, though, where we go, let's talk about what we think is going to happen. when We go, so the Red Bulls are going to be out front, right? Yeah, And they're going to be out front. Ferrari might be out front.
1: I reckon Charles is going to come back swinging.
0: Charles is a freak at qualifying. So qualifying always seems to be an area where he does well.
1: And I feel like this might be a track where it suits the Ferraris a bit better.
0: It's supposed to be colder. Now, I don't know if... I haven't checked the weather, but I only know Canada through media. And I'm assuming it's cold.
1: Yeah, but it's cold here in Australia. Oh, that means it'd be summer, wouldn't it? It's summer over there. It's a beautiful day. That's why Canada's on my dream calendar. Because it would be a beautiful day out.
0: Temperature will be the big thing. And it's interesting to say that the race will be decided by what is essentially temperature. But that, that's the big...
1: But what happens if they're on the wets or intermediates? That's
0: well, The Ferrari will win then because it'll be nice and cold.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> and it is supposed to rain, isn't it?
1: It is. Don't I mean, don't, don't be changing your picks now. I'm not. I haven't yeah, even could.
0: done my picks yet. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, Reese, by how my <laughs> score's going, but I kind of just make them up whenever we get to that section of the show reliability is the key factor here. Now Charles has lost another engine and I don't know if all of Carlos's was salvageable. I'm assuming the gearbox is shot through because it tore itself to pieces in the back of the car. If the weather suits Ferrari, there of course will be the the story of the season of Charles versus Max versus Carlos versus Checo. That's the most realistic th- outcome yeah. for any Grand Prix at the moment until we see some significant changes in mercedes and they're the most likely to see push-up into that championship battle currently. Until we see their development, the story of the year is Max versus Charles.
1: I'm waiting for a to- I just don't know if they're too mature now that there's going to be a, a top-of-the-table crash. So I'm still waiting for a somewhat of a crash. We haven't really seen one this year of another car taking another car out, except at Imola kind of on the first lap, and that's about it, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, or Australia too. Danny and Carlos connecting. They came together, didn't they?
1: No, not in Australia. In Australia, it was... Imola, they came together. No, that was Alonso. That was the one, yeah, in Imola, Alonso and and Danny Rick.
0: Have Danny and Carlos crashed together? Because I know Danny went and apologized for something. I'm not crazy. He went and said sorry for something. I don't know if it affected a race, though, or qualifying.
1: Yeah, it might be a qualifying. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure.
0: You can never write off the top-of-the-table guys coming together. Like, last year was a particularly big year for it yeah. with Max and Lewis. I'm not saying that this competition this year is any less important than it was last year, but last year there was so much riding on everything. Like, all the media built it up to be. It was the last year of the regulations. It was... Max was hunting down Lewis. There was so much more on the line for that. However, you can never write it off. And I think if the championship was closer towards the end of the year, yeah, you might see them bump into each other. It it can happen at any time. This is a sport of millimetres. I guess your maturity comment does have a larger impact this year. Max doesn't have anything to prove.
1: And Leclerc had a spin out the start of the season, which I think kicked him up the bum to be like, this is my season if I play it right.
0: And I think that is what we're definitely seeing from these young drivers who are now hitting their mid-20s. They've had a few years in the vehicles. They've seen what other people have done to win them a championship. And I know this is going to sound weird because Lewis did win pretty much every race in his dominance. But for every race Lewis didn't win, except for last year, he was second or third. And it's one of those things how it's like, okay, it's better to be second or third every weekend than first or nothing most of the year.
1: That's what that's what wins champions.
0: Yeah. Championships are won by playing the long game and, and collectively banking as many, many points as you can in whatever form they may be. And I think that's what we saw Max last year finally push him over the edge and get in that championship. Yes, all of that is caveated by the FIA involvement, <laughs> by everything you want to throw in there. But it was that mental change of going, well, I don't need to crash this person out unless it is Lewis, in which case I'll give him a bit of a bump. <laughs> do, so, you,
1: do you think the Red Bull reliability is all sorted? Or do you reckon they're due for something?
0: I mean, shaking the magic eight ball, all signs are pointing to yes, right? Yes, they haven't. If had it's something
1: so small to DRS, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not finished. I'm just saying I reckon there might be because you see, yeah, so notice DRS not working. I reckon.
0: Okay, because I just instantly assume you mean like, do you reckon their cars are still going to blow up? It's nah. like no, I don't think so. I, I think they've genuinely f- affect
1: that. the race somewhat. Affect the race, and then you, you might not even see it on track, but you might see it on tire deg or something. That might not be a hundred percent in different conditions that they haven't had any data for.
0: Okay, yeah. So essentially, along the lines of like the the main reason why Mercedes is struggling is the porpoising. Yeah. I you can never count it out. Yep. Like I'm I don't have the best technical brain when it comes to looking at the sport either. So it is very hard for me to go. Well, yeah. It's it's probably yeah. this. Like all my technical understanding comes from secondhand sources of either watching YouTube. Or reading comments online of people breaking down technical data for me.
1: That's why I'm really excited for the wet in a way because I want to see hard braking in wet weather conditions. conditions.
0: And how close these cars can follow and what strategies people bring out to play. I think we could guarantee that no matter what's going on with your car in F1, you are not 100% happy with its performance. No. And the biggest evidence I have for that is even though Mercedes were so dominant, we never saw them stop bringing developments to their car year after year after year. Even when they already knew they were two seconds in front of everybody, hands down, they developed DAS, the dual axis steering, which allowed them to adjust the toe of the front tires of the car, which was banned instantly. The second <laughs> that FI was like, what's that? They're like, oh, it's this cool thing. It allows us to change what we're doing with our tires. They're like, that's heaps neat. You're not allowed to do it, but I know that, the Red Bull factory will constantly be having little niggling areas they're working at. I think it's safe to say they haven't Band-Aid fixed the reliability issues they had at the start of the year. But it's also safe to say that they're not super stoked with the car yet because they're still being beaten by Ferraris in qualifying. Yeah. And no team will ever truly be happy. When it does come to reliability, the big talking point at the moment is the Ferrari power unit in isolation. Yeah. So the Ferrari car itself, the chassis and the aero is sublime. It's an incredible vehicle. But clearly the power unit they're developing and have sold to other teams isn't to the standard that anybody wants for the sport. So we saw, what, three or four Ferraris, three Ferraris out of Baku, Charles at Monaco. It's not working well.
1: I think it will affect them at the end of the season.
0: Certainly in regards to the grid positionings, that will be one of the biggest effects. Opening up that fourth, fifth, sixth engine, how many many engines you open above the three, you receive a grid place penalty. Now, no team ever makes it through just on three engines. They always cop a penalty eventually. Where the issue with Ferrari, and chances are it's going to be, is how many they will have to take per driver. And depending on how the championship shapes up, that may actually cause them to be a non-competitor for what their vehicle is truly capable of. So I, I just had a
1: thought. Then is Alfa Romeo has Ferrari?
0: Yeah. So the Ferrari teams are Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, and Haas. Is
1: Joe? Do you reckon it's what's gone? I want to know more about him, and if it is the engine.
0: Andy brought up Andy. an interesting point where he's like, well, Vautry's car's not blowing up. And I was like, yeah, don't you think something's going on there? And he went, yeah, but I don't think it's a conspiracy. He took the line of maybe Joe's driving that vehicle in a different style to Vautery, and yeah. that is not causing the issue, but that is increasing the probability of an issue developing. Yeah. So if it is a heat-related issue, the vehicle gets to a certain temperature and something goes wrong, if you're not as smooth... Or if you're pushing harder per lap, or if you're entering and exit, exiting corners more erratically,
1: even if you're shifting not as fast,
0: shifting not as fast, or shifting incorrectly, yeah. or you know you're getting a downshift wrong and that's causing an overrev certain points, all those little—and we're talking percentage points here—all those little percentage points are opening the door for an issue to develop, and it makes a lot of sense because most F1 champions like a car that you can throw into a corner that you have to kind of like, it's like being strapped to a rocket. You want a car that's hard to control that you have to rein in to drive effectively than a car you have to push to be competitive. You want something that's a little bit too crazy that you'd want to hold on to than something that is you're pushing the hell out of it, right? Yeah. Charles drives insanely quick. Valtteri is well-known for his smoothness. Joe's a rookie, so you can assume that he's not as smooth regardless of what his style is. So that's where Andy's line of thinking was going.
1: and after the FP, the the free practices, that it builds up, builds up, and by qualifying and race day, that problem's there and wiggling around.
0: Especially in regards to temperature. In free practice, one, you're going a little bit slower. And two, you're not as in traffic as you are in qualifying in the race day. Race day, even in qualifying, if you're in traffic, you're either blitzing past them or you're all driving slowly in a nice little group while you're letting the fast people go by. Under race conditions, you're all operating at an extremely high pace the whole time so that those periods where you are in traffic are having a far bigger effect on the temperature and the degradation of the car across that period of time being the race.
1: But he's not even making halfway through a race. Most of the time he's out, which is sad. Yeah,
0: And it really is. So when it, when it comes to Canada explicitly, yeah. if we see rain, I think we'll see less reliability issues, but it will also increase the probability of human error. Yeah. People always make mistakes in the wet. Interestingly enough, though, Stroll is a very competent wet driver. <laughs> he is. That's where way... Stroll and
1: competent in the same word? Same yeah. Sentence?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know it sounds weird, but all the races that are wet, that's where he has his best performances. You say that, but then in, in Monaco, just... <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't racing. <laughs> I think it was Turkey, where he put it on pole and came second or something like that, yeah. or fourth. I don't know what he finished, but I know he did really, really well in the wet. That was also back when it was a pink Mercedes. And I think even I could have done pretty well in that thing. Yeah. What? Yeah, and that's that's the big discussion point for the, the top of the table. Reliability and temperature. But we've still got the rest of the grid to talk about and what we think will happen, right? So I think Seb will outperform Stroll. Easy. Easily.
1: Will he be in the points again? He's he's driving that car great now. He is. And it, it's, it seems like now they've changed it every week. They're getting more data and it's going to be getting better.
0: Yeah, they've certainly, the new direction they've taken it in, is clearly based on his preferences and his performance, right? Because he is outperforming that vehicle at every opportunity. I don't know if he will be quick enough with 20 cars on the grid to guarantee points. However, if there is a person from the lower end of the field who can snaggle points out of this race, it will be Seb or K-Mag. But then again, that's the Ferrari engine. Yeah. So that will be the big interesting thing. see there is if the Ferrari makes it K Mag will be on for a pretty good one too I don't know about Mick I know for the last few weeks I've said that yeah I think Haas will be on for a good one here you know I can see them doing quite well I think I have to change that to the same opinion I have about Aston Martin where if he has the opportunity K Mag will do very well I don't know if Mick is feeling confident enough having not been to that track to put on a good performance I'm going to assume no
1: I'm, I'm assuming no
0: I think he'll be down the bottom. Albon, though, seems to be a bit of a wild card. I wonder what tyres he has. He always goes on different... The he, different he's the tyre whisperer, isn't he, this year?
1: Yeah, the harder tyres he always goes better on. The softers he doesn't. And I think that's more of his car coming out and affecting him.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting when we look at Williams because they have such a good pedigree. They put so much effort in and clearly they still love every single bit of what they do. They just can't seem to develop the car properly to get them into a consistent position to do well it is Latifi's home race but I don't actually know what the statistics are on do you do better at your home race or is this <laughs> just yeah. such an in is this just that sport where there is no home field advantage it is all based on vehicle and skill yeah
1: you know don't he doesn't go back there every off weekend and go around the track
0: no and I can't imagine to be a track that's easy to get real world practice <laughs> yeah. on being a street circuit It's not like he can book it out for the weekend. I know Trudeau's a pretty relaxed gentleman. (laughs) But I can't see him being like, yeah, we'll just close that off, mate. No worries. The midfield and the core midfield, that's going to be the interesting one. So we saw a better weekend for McLaren. Yeah, They beat one of the Alpines, but they didn't beat the other Alpine. They kind of split the Alpines. The Tories had a particularly good weekend too.
1: They uh, they did. I was happy about that.
0: Yeah, it was really nice to see. So the story of Pierre this year has been in regards to his qualifying. He's had the, probably the most affected qualifying by people's mistakes. So if he can get a good qualifying, I think we'll see him do really, really well. Yuki, because we see so little from, and he's not one of my favorites, and that's through no fault of his own, I don't really know where Yuki measures compared to everybody else, right? He's not very
1: consistent. I'd have to give that. Like, he can have some good weeks and he can have some bad weeks. And I can't draw any reason... Why, what makes it a good weekend or bad weekend? So I used to think that the street street circuits he didn't go good at, but then he's had a few good street circuits this week, though no, this year.
0: And the, the traditional thing with Yuki is that, well, he used to be quick in the desert, but that was last year. This year he wasn't particularly. No. With the Alpha Tauri car itself being unpredictable and him being an unpredictable driver, as you say, it is really, really hard yeah. to kind of think. He comes, where he'll appear.
1: He comes out every week and says, we have more work to do. We have more work to do.
0: And oh, they absolutely do. The yeah. The Alpha AlphaTauri has had some troughs and peaks over the last couple of years of development. Last year's car was unreal, yeah. and they were doing incredibly good in that vehicle. It's where Pierre was essentially, well, I'm just going to finish in sixth every week yeah. and qualify sixth. So if this is a track that suits them, I definitely think we'll see Pierre fighting George Russell. And that will be a very interesting battle to see.
1: fighting George Russell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, George is normally in fifth, and he's around that. He's not in the top four, but he's Um, always right at the peak end of there. We know Gasly clearly has the talent to be in that zone consistently. That's a very likely battle seeing shaping up there.
1: I just wonder if the Alpines will be faster on the straights. That will be in between them.
0: It's hard with Alpine. They did very hard with our pain this year.
1: And McLaren, I want them to do better, but sometimes they're up there. Some after last week. You see them put out upgrades and you're like, yes, they're back. And then they don't. And then now that like you see that Australia, now you see it again last weekend, like, oh, they're back. But yeah. are they are they going to be back? Do you reckon Danny R- Rick's gonna get one up on Lando again?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely I do. Um Where where it comes to the McLaren is I'd put them kinda at the bottom of the three of those at the moment because AlphaTauri clearly knows what's wrong with the vehicle, knows what they're developing it for and are developing it for Pierre. So even though the performances have been sporadic, same with McLaren, AlphaTauri seems to have that drive to a singular direction. Now, it may not be the most effective one, but they're moving towards something. They can see the goal line and they know what they want to do to take them in that direction and they're working off Pierre a lot. Where McLaren's issue is at the moment, it seems to be that they have the person who can develop the car really, really well, but they also have the future of their team who, and I can't confirm this, but based on his behavior on the radio from last week, clearly is still dealing with a lot of the immaturity issues that we've seen other drivers move beyond. Yeah, I don't know if McLaren are willing to kind of sit both drivers down and have that, you know what? While you are both the drivers, I am the owner and technical director of this team, and this is what we're doing, based on all the absolutely ridiculous. Okay, we'll let you in front for a little bit, but if you don't get him, we'll pull you back, and then we'll swap. It doesn't seem like they know where they want to take their no. vehicle,
1: and I, and Lando, he needs to understand and admit that he's not. He th- was thinking at the start of the year that he was going to be a top competitor. He's not, and he's not. And every week he it still feels like that he still feels like he should be there and he's disheartened by that. And he needs to just... This is where I am. He he, he knows where he is. He knows he's got work to do, but then he's still...
0: I think it's a self-awareness thing with Lando at the moment. You're right. And I, I do think that's what we're seeing. He knows what he's capable of and he knows he had the vehicle to be there. Where I think the issue is at the moment, what McLaren's not doing is sitting down with him and being like, hey man, the reason we're not actually getting you to that position is last year was the exception, not the rule. You are blaming other people and other things for the McLaren's non-performance instead of realizing that a large reason of their underperformance at the moment is you're not allowing us to develop the car differently from what you want. What the difference is, is Daniel Ricciardo's style will bring that car up the grid. But McLaren also hasn't sat down and gone, shut up, kid. Yes, it's gonna be rough for you for a year. Yes, you're not gonna be from sixth to ninth every week. But once you get your hand hands and your head around the new style of the vehicle, you'll be fourth, third, pushing for those podiums. And when Ferrari goes out, guess where you'll be? Second. So they do really need to have and I know this has nothing to do with Canada but the reason why they're hard to place and the reason why they're kind of floundering and we're wondering, oh where's McLaren last year gone? I think last year's car wasn't representative of the development and their philosophy because it was essentially the same vehicle with very few regulations, they just kind of upgraded it. And that pushed them up a little bit more than it did some of the other teams. Where the where the direction needs to be is they they need to pick a destination to go in. Where I think that's gone wrong is the destination they've picked is, well, we don't want either of our drivers to be unhappy. We want this to kind of be a collaborative team effort. We know Daniel is a team player. We haven't really seen that from Lando. And yes, I know we've seen it on the track a few times, but what I'm supposing is that behind closed doors, he's not willing to sacrifice for long-term gain.
1: I don't think he has the experience of what... The difference could have that too. That's
0: he's one of the only drivers who's only ever raced for his own team. Yeah, Stroll even Stroll's raced in more than one. Yeah, because he was Williams before he went to Racing Point, which mm-hmm. became Maston. Yes, Yuki's only raced for AlphaTauri, but AlphaTauri knows what direction they're going. Yeah. <laughs> this is a uniquely McLaren-based issue we're seeing, and we're seeing it more and more each week. So hopefully that gets changed soon because the ideal situation will be I would love to see Danny and Lando on the podium together regularly. Yeah. Just because I don't like Lando's attitude doesn't mean I don't want to see him do well. I want McLaren to do well. They're important for the sport. And he's not a bad person. I just think he has a bad attitude every now and then.
1: Yeah, Will Russell get in the top five again?
0: Yeah, probably. I think so. He's just in that interesting position at the moment where due to the nature of his previous experience, he's very really good at driving these sorts of vehicles that aren't the best. He's also a really talented racer. Yeah. There's a reason, there's a reason why Toto from day 1 went that's our guy. He's next. Despite whether you like the kid or not, the talent he shows is phenomenal and his understanding of the car is perfect. Yeah. He's also media appearances are very well rehearsed and good. Like, he is such a desirable F1 property. And he's proving it more and more every weekend. He jumped on the podium last week because the Ferraris went out. Yeah. But that's the whole point of not being a top two team is you've got to be right there. Yeah, And from the very first practice session this year, George Russell has been right there. And he's capitalized on every single opportunity that's come his way. So he's also probably snagged some luck along the way as well yeah. which is hugely important in this sport. Lucks like the luck and talent are the two most important things and money turns out as well <laughs> but it didn't always used to be that way. Yeah, we haven't had a massive chat about Alfa Romeo though, so we can do a little bit of a chat about that. Cuz I genuinely think though like we've spoken a, a, a huge amount about McLaren, we've spoken about the Williams, we've spoken about Aston Alfa Romeo, yes, it has a Ferrari Ferrari power unit, so that's going to be a big effect in the sport or in this race as well. I hope Joe's vehicle allows him to finish. He deserves an opportunity to show what he's really capable of. Yeah. He hasn't had that.
1: He's yeah. He's scored points. That's more than like we talked about Mick at the start of the episode. And that's he and he's raced less races because of his engine issues.
0: Yeah. Yep. I like Clearly, VB's faster around this track. Valtteri's got the lap record. Yeah. So you know this is a really good spot for him.
1: He'll be top 10.
0: I hope so, because there aren't these particularly massive straights, which is what seemed to kind of affect them at Baku with the high-speed stability issues, where they weren't as fast as they thought they were going to be. This track has a slightly different setup, and the, the, that there's plenty of chicanes in there that will allow his experience to position the vehicle, to hold spots, to close up on people who might not be as comfortable under braking. Whatever stability issues they may be facing at high speed, Canada gives you plenty of slower areas to, I guess, like counterbalance just the pure power that's needed. So VB, I think, will have quite a good placing this week. I don't know if the car will be strong enough in qualifying to kind of sit him in the top Six or seven that will allow him to have a brilliant, brilliant performance. That's a good point. But again, it similar with George. And it's weird comparing those two together because there's <laughs> a huge amount of experience. But Vautry this year is capitalizing on every single opportunity that's in front of him. He's making
1: no errors. The Except t- at Miami. He locked up and let the two right Mercedes. The yeah, behind, right at the end. Uh,
0: second last lap or something, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, if not last lap.
0: Yep. So, yeah, of course, not flawless. No. But no driver is. Like, the whole reason we saw the championship be as close as it was last year is neither Lewis wasn't his normal self, nor was Max. Because Max was better than we thought, and Lewis wasn't performing to the level he normally performed at. So there will never be flawlessness across the whole board. But VB is the one who's putting that Alfa Romeo in those positions to capitalize on everything. And yes, the reason he's putting it in those positions is because his car works. Yeah, it it's also
1: designed for him. We're going back to that. They know the destination. He got into that car, and they, this is going to be for you. You're going to be learn. You're going to learn to drive like this.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you'd be absolutely crazy to sit with Joe coming in <laughs> and go, man. What do you want the car to be? He's like, well, I've never had to develop anything in my yeah. life before, so maybe something like this. Yeah, yeah. No, of course not. Of and course not. It it should be. It should be a good race. There's plenty of passing opportunities. And even on tracks which we're seeing that aren't typically good for passing, we're seeing more of. The Viewership's up too. This year's been one of the highest years of F1 ever. Yes, I know Baku didn't have as many viewers as it did last year. But on average, it's still above everything we saw last year.
1: Canada in 2005 had the most viewers in history, I believe. Five million. Damn. More than the Super Bowl that year. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. That is. I don't know if they were doing North America at the time as well. So it might have been the North 05? America. Yeah,
0: I believe that was the year they had the where they only had five cars start the race in America because of the tire. There was two tire, t- two oh, tire okay. manufacturers: uh, as Bridgestone and Michelin. I think probably gotten that wrong, <laughs> but that was the race where. The teams who were on one set of ties were like, "We, it's not safe on this track for us. Can you please put a chicane here and then we can make it? And the FIO went, no. So they're like, fine, we're not starting. And they pulled out, a bunch of teams pulled out.
1: Okay. So any I
0: think it might have been that year. Any, and
1: Any publicity is good publicity.
0: They say that, don't they? I don't know if that's always true, though. <laughs> it depends on who your your market base is, really. Uh it's time for expectation means we're at about an hour and a half. Yeah, okay, yeah. Do we stinger into that normally? All right, so I guess it's time to talk about our predictions for the week. Yes. So, we can't make Andy go first. Well, we can. He has sent his predictions in. And as much as I want to read out random ones, he also makes all the graphics. So, despite what I say, he'll just edit it to be what he wants his predictions to be anyway. So, I should probably... Read out what Andy has picked for the race.
1: I like the idea of us picking them though; gives us a little bit chance to catch up because he's flying ahead.
0: Yeah, he's really good at this crap. Yeah. So Andy has picked, and Andy, this time we're going from one to five. So you're like the rest of us; <laughs> have to be different all the bloody time. He's gone number one, Max Verstappen; number two, Checo; number three, George Russell; number four, Lewis Hamilton. Number five, Pierre Gasly. And a quick edit of this note, he hasn't spelled any of their names right. <laughs> <laughs> he has no Ferraris. No. Interesting. No Ferraris in there. Interesting. I'm, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you pick him and they finish, yeah, you get points. But if you pick them and they don't finish, like most of us did last week. Yeah. It's hard to know. The rain this may might be a factor. I don't think he checked the weather.
1: Yeah, this might be my chance to. If,
0: if you way. beat me, man, I'm going to be so mad. Dave has sent his predictions in. Dave has picked Yuki Tsunoda. No, nah, I'm kidding. He did not. <laughs> he went Leclerc, Verstappen, Perez, Russell, and Hamilton. So he hasn't put signs in there. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I look. I'm I'm torn between going like, do I go out on an limb and if it pays off, then I sneak ahead and like build that gap to you, or do I go safe and then we get the same amount of points and then I'm still in the danger zone.
1: Yeah, you don't know what I'm picking
0: yet. So I don't know what you're picking. But do you know what the best part about being the host of this show is? Reese, what are your <laughs> tips for the week?
1: I shall go Leclerc one, Verstappen two, Checo three, George in fourth. I'll go science. Science fifth.
0: Okay. Part of me is telling me to just go, yeah, I'm going to do what he said. And that way, no, it doesn't matter what happens. You can't do that every week. No. I'm actually going to go for something that.
1: And I will call back.
0: You might. Especially, especially with what I'm actually going <laughs> to pick this week, so I'm going to go out on a limb, and I know this is going to sound absolutely crazy. Carlos hasn't won a race yet, ever. So my number one is Carlos. I think, I think signs. This is the time. I think he'll get his first victory.
1: Be cool. I like yeah, it. you know, I, I like it. I don't feel <laughs> great <laughs> about
0: it, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping someone has to mix it up a little bit. So signs in one, Max in second, Leclerc in third, Checo in fourth. I say mix it up. I've just I've put one person ahead of the others from the standard <laughs> four. And then for fifth this week, I'm going to mix it up again. I'm going to go with Pierre. Okay. I know Russell's a safe bet, but I kind of like that idea of the George and Pierre battle.
1: Yeah, I like that idea. It, it And it is a mix-up. Because first is worth five points. It's worth a a lot lot of of points. points. So it is a mix up. So So I'm
0: hoping. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping.
1: Either way, yeah, I'm happy. Because I don't think. You know, yeah, I know. That's the thing. Now that I've said it, if Stafford wins, I'm sweet. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite. Let's go. You've already said it.
0: I know. I'm not changing (laughs) it. I'm not changing it. I don't think that. I don't want you sitting there thinking that you've walked me into a position where I don't believe this will happen. I firmly believe that Carlos is due for a win. I don't actually, but I need to <laughs> save face a little bit. Also, it's the people's pick. I don't think anyone in the world will be mad if Carlos wins.
1: No. I, I will be mad now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, though, Riso, it's a long season. You've got to take points where you can get them, right? Yeah. Okay. As the person who's currently sitting in second, I feel like I have some authority to speak down to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't wait to be in second place.
0: It's interesting that how you said, wouldn't it be insane if Lewis won, but you didn't pick him? No, I said that's crazy. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to put your number no. one as Lewis if you want to take it. No. Let's flip a coin. No. I'm gonna sabotage you as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> if if you start overtaking me, the head games are gonna begin. Friggin' long. All right. Now before we, before we wrap this bad boy up this week, is there anything else you want to say? Don't you think you owe me an apology? apology I mean if you're not if you don't think you owe me an apology that's fine I don't Um, but I'm just saying that like if there is an opportunity for you to apologise bring it on soon is all I'm saying soon I'm gonna catch the next fucking bouquet you have to marry me (laughs) 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 alright thank you very much for listening everybody I know it hasn't been the normal show this week but I still hope you've enjoyed every, every minute of it if you haven't yet, please find us on social media. We're having a lot of fun on Twitter. Thank you for the people who've reached out and messages on Instagram. Sorry, it took me up until today to reply. I didn't know how to get into the the message box on our Instagram <laughs> page or on Facebook. But for those of you who've been listening to us from the start, I'd like to let everybody know that we are starting to grow. And that's a good thing for all of us. It means that we have more opportunities to do more competitions It means we can start looking at merch soon. It means we can start turning this into something that will get more people involved. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you for our review on Tuesday. Thanks, guys. See ya. We're not going to do really from the past today. We don't have Andy here and Andy's watched every race in Formula 1 since he invented cameras, So he knows everything that's happened in the sport. We don't. And depending on what gets left in this episode, you'll know that because we just spent like 10 minutes talking about (laughs) groundhogs. Sorry, Andy. I've had a brain fart.